turning your Bibles to the book of the book of Joshua, chapter one, where we pick up where we left off yesterday. I had said that I was going to teach you a little bit of how to have courage. I remember it was about 1970, 1980, and somehow uh, I had applied for a position on Jerry Falwell's security staff, uh, and but they were all full. So I was ready. Uh, I, I went right down to uh, the employment center there, and I said, I'll do anything. And they said, well, we do have an 11 to 7 shift at night in the mail room. I'll do whatever I have to do to, to get through college, to support my family, etc. I said, where do I sign? And I had the paper literally in front of me signing a contract and an impulse came over me because there was a phone there. And I, I turned to the guy and said, before I sign this, may I make a phone call? And I called Chief David Hairspank. He was in charge of all the security. And I said, I'm about to sign up for the 11 to 7 shift in the mail room. And he says, it's a miracle that you've called me. One of our security guards just shot himself in the leg. If you can, if you can get to the employment center before 3 o'clock, we'll hire you. I was already there, remember? So I, I got that job, and of course I was the newbie, and I ended up being the 11 to 7 shift, at 11 at night to 7 in the morning, security guard at the church. And somebody said there was commotion down in the bus corral. There must be 20 or 30 buses in a big circle and a high high-fenced area, and they had had gasoline thieves in there so I go down in and I get down in the middle of the bus corral buses all around me and I heard this rattling and it was a big 55 gallon drum shaking now I'm not a believer in ghosts I do believe in demons, that's possible. But what I used to overcome that fear was this verse we're going to learn tonight, how to overcome fear. And I walked up to that thing. Now, I didn't run over to the thing. I walked over to the thing and did this. And when I did this, this big, giant, shaggy, black German shepherd jumped out at me. What in the world? And it did scare me. It would scare anybody, I guess. But going up to that shaking 55-gallon drum, this right here, this right here, this verse right here, Joshua 1, 9. In this, I have an unusual interpretation. It says, Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. Why? For the Lord thy God is with thee wherever thou goes. Okay, Lord, you ready? Yes. 
We're going to go. Now, I remember, I was remembering something about my, my grandchildren. Uh, Brianna is either going to be president of the United States with her leadership, or she'll be the first in our family to go to prison. She is very, very bossy. And she's got a brother that is five years old and a cousin, Lucy, that's five years old. And we would meet them at a certain hotel down in Liberty. Jamie used to live there, of course. And we would get a room and the kids could go swimming with us in the, in the pool. Well, Bonnie liked to take them on an adventure and she would take them up and down the long hallways and up and down the stairwells, and she would make believe with things. But there was this one time, these two five-year-olds of ours were running down the hallway in this giant hotel. And they're, they're out in front about 10 feet, 10, 15 feet. And Brienne is just running along and she says, follow me, guys. Remember, she's following them and she's yelling, follow me, guys. This verse, again, if you look at it again, it's going to help you. It's going to help you. Have not I commanded thee. Or, I'm out in front, Joshua. I'm going to be your commander. I'm going to lead your army against Jericho, against Ai, against the Gibeonites. Against, oh my goodness, there's, there's so many battles that when God is out in front, they never lose. There's one battle they lose, and that's because they went without, they went without prayer and they went without God in front of them. Listen, there's no fear when Jesus is leading you into your problem leading you into your battle. Uh, I, there is no fear. If he's right in front, come on, David, let's go. My goodness. What's it say? My take on it? I have not, I aren't I going to command you? Yes. And it's going to be wonderful to have Jesus Christ, our commander, leading us out in front of these armies. Have not I commanded you? If I'm out in front of you, then be strong. Now, Ephesians talks about being strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Don't expect to go into battle, our battles, on our own strength. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Let Him lead you. Picture Him in your mind, in your heart, as being out front. And here we go. We're going to follow Him. Some of the songs we sing tonight. We're going to follow Him to heaven. Soon and very soon. It's going to be glorious. And we leave behind... We have people this very week that are finding out if they have cancer. And we've been trying to encourage them. At least two of our regulars are finding out if they, how bad their cancer might be. 
with Jesus out in front leading you into battle, leading you through these traumatic things, be strong if he's out in front. Be strong and of good courage. Don't be afraid. You don't be afraid. You're not afraid with Jesus is leading you. If he's in control, if he's your commander, have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of good courage. Don't be afraid. Neither be thou dismayed. With Jesus at your side, out in front, surrounding you everywhere, he's circling your path. It is just a wonderful thing. How can, we, how can we have fear? How can we be dismayed? Fight that dismay, that, that confusion that we have, that fear that we get when things are out of control in our life. If he's your commander out in front of you, don't worry. Follow me. Follow me. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee wherever you go. Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through, tell them to get ready. We've got three days and we're leaving this place. And we're going to go over and attack, attack Jericho. Let's uh, see if I can get this to work right. And thank you in the in the room. Here's Jericho. You see my can you see that? They are six miles over here in this area, right here. And they've been there a while. And there's a certain group of them. There's twelve tribes, twelve basic names, and everybody's named after these twelve tribes. But two and a half of the tribes they raise cattle, and it is the most luscious grass you ever saw. It's spoken of all through the rest of the Old Testament. It's even spoken of in the New Testament that the grass in that area, Jabesh Gilead, is the most wonderful grass for grazing. So, if you recall, they went to Moses and said, we like it here. We don't want to go over the Jordan." We don't want to pass over. We, we just want to stay right here. And Moses said, okay, you can, you can stay there, but not you. Your wives and children and flocks, they can stay here. But all the, those of warrior age, you're going into Israel. You're going to fight at Jericho. And the best I can tell they made a commitment here in this chapter to stay away for 40 years. 40 years! It took that long to, to conquer Israel. We'll see. One of the verses, several of the verses I read, uh, Joshua. Joshua is now 85 years old. What? And the other one, what was his running mate? Caleb is even older. Now, here we are. We're going to, 
We're going to be leaving in three days. Pack up all your tents and your belongings and we're, we're going to cross over. And it's a time when the Jordan River is in flood stage. Now we're going to find out who has faith. The Jordan River at that point is like a half mile wide. Incredible. Why? Can't you just hear the people? Why can't we go when it's not in flood stage? It requires less faith. When challenges come upon us, exercise your faith and stretch your faith out. We need more faith for the challenges, for the hard times. We need that. So, verse 12 now. And he said to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and, the, and half of Manasseh, spoke Joshua, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God hath given you rest and hath given you this Land, Your wives, your little ones, your cattle shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side of the Jordan. But you shall pass before your brethren armed, all the mighty men of valor, and you will help them. Until the Lord hath given your brethren rest as he hath given you, and they shall also have possessed the land which the Lord your God gives them. Then you shall return unto the land of your possession. You will enjoy it, which Moses the Lord's servant gave you. Here's their response. Verse 16, they make what's called a death pact. They make a death pact. They say this. They answer Joshua saying, All that you have commanded us we will do. And wherever thou sends us we will go. According as we listened unto Moses and all things, so will we hearken unto thee. Only the Lord thy God be with thee as he was with Moses. Here's the pact. Whosoever he be that does rebel against thy commandment and will not hearken unto thy words and all that thou commandest him, he shall be put to death. Only be strong and of good courage. That's Jabesh Gilead. I don't know. Very quickly, turn forward a couple books of the Bible to 1 Samuel. While you're turning there, 1 Samuel, they go, they go the, from uh, having Joshua lead them as a general. Then they, go to, then they go to judges, being their judge, being their king, acting like little kings all over the country. And then there's one last, there's one last judge who's a priest judge, and that's Samuel. And he kind of rules the nation because he has God's power upon him. Now, Samuel is, 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 is leading the people. He's their leader now. He's, he's a traveling preacher, but he's also in charge. At his word, people die. Now, we find ourselves with the people. You all will remember this. The people want a king all the other countries have kings 
Why don't we have a king? God was their king. The Lord was their king. Yahweh, as we get into this next chapter in Joshua, is their king. But they wanted a human king. And God throws his hands up in the air and says, okay, 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 pick you out a king. So, in this case, they pick the largest, strongest, most handsomest chicken in the whole country. No, no courage at all. And uh, that's another for another story. But he is now their king, Saul. That's where we are at this very point. Saul has been chosen their king. I think he's six foot six. It's been a while since I've checked his dimensions. Uh, he's six foot six, a giant of a man, and they picked him because of his looks, not because of his heart. The next king will be David, who is going to be picked by God because of his heart. Well, I, if you're with me, 1 Samuel chapter 11. If you write in your Bible, you might write this down. 357 years later. These two and a half tribes have been forgotten about. They're, they're separated from all of the nation of Israel. They're just living their lives over there on the other side of the Jordan. And half the time you can't cross it because it's swollen and, and they've been forgotten. They have isolated themselves. This area where these two and a half tribes want to live, they're over there, but they don't have the support of the rest of the nation. And five, ten years ago, I preached this as isolationists. You know who the isolationists are now? They're the ones that should be sitting here in the pews. They have isolated. They declare they don't need the help of a church, of a pastor, of a pastoral staff. They're going on their own. Who needs a church? Who needs God? until someone's in an ER. They're the isolationists. They're the Jabesh Gileads of today. Here we go. They're living their lives wonderfully. Their tribes are doing well. Their cattle and sheep are doing well. Chapter 11, 1 Samuel, chapter 11, verse 1. Then Nahash, the Ammonite, came up and encamped against Jabesh Gilead. Now the Jabesh Gilead, remember, they're Israelites. But nobody remembers them. They have forgotten. And all the men of Jabesh said unto Nahash, Make a covenant with us and we will serve thee. Just don't kill us. Verse 2. And Nahash the Ammonite answered them, on this condition will I make a covenant with you that I may, what's that? Looking back there, looking back there at Mr. Denny, one-eyed Denny back there. Denny, I don't know if you're following along or not, but Nahash says, we'll make a contract with you if I can threat, I can 
punch out, I can thrust out all your right eyes. That's all. What? Is that your, are you right-handed? You see, they figured, they figured that someone that doesn't have a right eye can't do very well with their swords. They can't, they, because the shields would often have a cutout for the, for the eye to look over. To, well, with your right eye punched out, you can't do that. When Bonnie and I were visiting in my, my family in Arizona, New Mexico, I'm looking for help. New Mexico. 500, 600 years ago, when the Spanish came into the Southwest, they not only took their eye, they cut off one of their feet. That's how brutal. That way the Indians could not fight against them and, and rebel. It's always been like this since the beginning of time. Invading armies. And in this case, Nahash, the Ammonite, says, okay, 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 we'll make a contract with you, but, and you can serve us, but you all have to give us your right eye. Anybody for that? Maybe Denny back there, he doesn't have one right now. <laughs> but I'm telling, I'm telling you that this was a raw deal. That I may thrust out your eye and use it as a reproach upon, Israel, a reproach upon God. And the elders of Jabesh said unto him, Give us seven days respite that we may send messengers unto all the coast of Israel and then if there be no man to save us we will come out to thee. I'm not going I'm not going to read that whole chapter. You can read it at home. I've preached it before. But you and I are insulated, not isolated. We are insulated with one another. If someone falls, we all rush to help. If someone has a need, we rush to the need. We are insulated from the enemy. God is our protector and our shield. They were completely isolated. Quick story, they did send out a spy. He got over the Jordan River. He was arrested. No one knew who he was when he got over there. Who are you? He's the enemy. Well, they took him to Saul and he told the story. And it was Saul's moment in the sun, King Saul. It was his first battle. He blew the trumpet bat, uh, bugle and the troops all came together and they went and they rescued these two and a half tribes. That's what we happen to be talking about here back in Joshua. Back in Joshua chapter 2, all those years later they find themselves without any support without any insulation, without any security. Listen, if for any other reason, that's, the, that's a great reason to be here on a Sunday night for the 6th to 7th service, to feel part of a body of Christ and, and the Lord Jesus Christ being our King. Wow. Chapter 2. 
I have some explaining to do in chapter 2. You're smiling, Jack. Have you read it? I'm a poet and didn't know it. Okay. What was that? I don't want to know. All right, don't, don't get me off my game right now. So, chapter 2. Remember, we got three days to get ready. So, in those three days, he's going to send out two spies. And they're going to go to Jericho and spy out the the land and the country and the gate and the armies. By the way, we're talking, we're talking a million people here. We're talking three million people here. And the population of Jericho, 5,000. But you throw in a giant wall like the wall of China and it makes a big difference because spears and arrows don't, get through the, the rocks, the stone that, that the wall was built of. Only God can get through some walls. We can't do it. Well, Joshua the son of Nun sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly. Now, this, this little town of Shittim has other names too, but best we can tell, archaeologically they can tell that this is Seven miles. Chapter 2 of Joshua. Chapter 2. And they are, their camp is seven miles uh, away from the Jordan River. Again, forgot I have this. Here's Jericho. They are seven miles over here about by the M of Mount Nebo. Somebody famous was killed there, was buried there. Who was that? Mount Nebo. Okay, that's a challenge. They sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly. Now, remember now, he's not, it's, it's, that's, that's not a requirement to defeat Jericho. God's going to lead them, Remember? God's already given it into their hands. All they have to do is go through the motions. But Joshua knows something about being a spy, doesn't he? He knows a lot about sneaking around bushes and trees and joining in with other groups that are on the road. And these two men get into, get into Jericho. They go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and they came into a harlot's house named Rahab. And they stayed there. Rahab owned an inn, a hostel. Probably her daddy owned it and she worked in it. I'm being kind. And it wasn't abnormal though. Uh, for that day and age, and these are pagan people. So they had a hostel. Uh, when we lived in Spain, once a month we would go on trips, and you don't really see the land if you stay on macadam roads. So we would take these dirt robes into the far countries of southern Spain, and you would come up upon a little village that no one hardly ever gets to see, 
And right in the middle of the village would be a house with an H on it, a sign with an H on it. And that meant they'll feed you. But you're going to eat whatever they're eating. They'll put you up, but you're going to stay where they put you, and it might even be on the floor. But it meant that they were hospitable. The one that Bonnie and I went to was swordfish. It was swordfish day. It was really quite delicious. Uh, so a lot of stories about that place. But that's what Rahab was part of. Her daddy ran a hostel, a uh, hotel, and they lived on the wall. On the wall. No outdoor when no outdoor doors, the, the wall had a door on the inside where people, people could come in and spend the night. They said, go, go view the land right in the middle of verse 3. And they went and they came into a harlot's house named Rahab and they stayed there. Now, there has never been in, in the scriptures anything that has ever been described as something unrighteous in this, that, sh that they stayed at a, at a harlot's house. It was ba basically, it was basically a uh, hotel, motel, where they fed you to. What you do get about Rahab is that she was saved. She got saved later, even in this passage. She gets saved like Abraham got saved. It was imputed to Abraham and her for righteousness, for their faith. Watch. And it was told the king of Jericho, well, this was a, this was a hostel where there were lots of people coming and going, and somebody recognized these men as being Jewish, the enemy. It is, it is easy, scholars believe that the men of Israel were large-sized, okay? They were big in body. And the, the warriors of Israel were short-sized, five foot five, five foot six, according to bones and archaeology. But the, the men of those that lived in Israel at this time were large-sized men. And uh, so they might have been very recognizable for their stature, for their height. But they were. They, they, they had already been through wars and battles, and they were battle-hardened, this army of Israel. It was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men in here tonight of the children of Israel, to search out the country. And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that have come to thee, which are entered into thy house, for they be come to search out all the country. And the woman took the two men and hid them and said this, There came men unto me, but I don't know where they went. This is Rahab speaking. Yeah, they were here, but they left. Now, it was not uncommon for the unsaved, the pagan, to tell lies. And even today, be careful what you listen to and who you listen to. 
they're very good at lying. People are very good at lying. And even some of the things someone might share with you about someone else, it could be a lie, it could be a stretch, it could be a twist. Be careful what you believe about others. In any event, Rahab tells a lie to cover up for them. And the woman took, verse 4, took the two men and hid them. And then said, there came men in here, but I don't know where they were. And it came to pass about the time of the shutting of the gate, when it was dark, that the men went out. Whither the men went, and I don't know where they went. They're gone. Pursue after them if you want quickly. You can overtake them. They're gone. They went, they went out the gate. Now, these castles and things that have these big giant gates, they close them at dark and open them in the morning. But even then, they have a little gate, a little door in these, in these gates called the needle the eye of the needle, that's something they did. And you see that all over Europe and probably Africa and all those. And she, she sent them, the enemy, the bad guys, off after them. And she, she brought them up to the roof of the house, hid them with the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order upon the roof. And the men pursued after them the way to the Jordan, unto the actual river. And as soon as they were pursued after them, they were gone out, they shut the gate. No way out. Both doors are closed now. And before they were laid down, she came up unto them upon the roof. And here's what she said. She said unto, unto the men, the two spies, I know that the Lord, and the, the word in the Hebrew is Yahweh, the all-powerful one, the creator. I know that Yahweh has given you the land and that your terror is fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you, because we heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea when you came out of Egypt. And, and what you did unto the ki two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of the Jordan, the king's name, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there any remain any courage in, in any man because of you. For the Lord your God is a God in heaven above and in earth beneath. It is believed by most scholars that, that that is her proclamation, her confession of faith. That she made that confession about Yahweh. Now therefore I pray you, swear unto me by the Lord, swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness, that you will also show kindness unto my Father's house and give me a true token if you know the story, she throws out a window a rope that has a reddish look to it. A rope out the window and probably had little knots in it. And the men climbed down this rope 
And she told them, don't go toward the river. Go the opposite way. There were these mountain ranges within sight of Jericho that even to this day are loaded with caves, sandstone caves. And she says, go that way and wait, through those, wait for three days and then you can cross the river. What's the, pro the promise though, the token? If you will put that red rope out your window, I will tell everybody in our army to leave your home and your people and your family and your, your parents and your brothers and your sisters. It says it right in here in this chapter. We will leave them alone and let them live. And what's going to happen in 10 days, Israel's going to come in and defeat them. And that one family will be the only ones, basically, that survive because of her faith and her support to, to God and to God's people. And later on, she finds, out, she finds herself in Hebrews chapter 11, Hall of, Hall of Fame, Hall of Faith, in there with some of the greatest Old Testament heroes because of her faith in God and her faith in God's people. We'll pick this up for next week, Lord willing. Lord, come, go with us into our homes, our lives, Lord. Make us faithful. Help us, Lord, to follow you no matter what, to get rid of our, to get rid of our fear and our dismay and to realize you are in control, Lord. You're out in front of us. In Jesus' name, amen.